Karen. Oh, you're welcome. She's a blessing, amen? Amen. amen? Glad to have her here. That could be church right there, right? That last song. Be still my soul, right? If we could quiet our mind, will, and emotions and just wait patiently on the Lord, we'd be in good shape, wouldn't we? Just be still my soul. I like that first song. For the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And I'm so glad that you and I met Him before that day. I'm so glad that I have a relationship with my Father before that day. Hmm. Uh, where would we be at without Him? Amen? Where would we be at? You just take, take thought of your life where you're at right now. Where would you be at if you didn't get hooked up with God? Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I prayed early this morning. I prayed yesterday that the right people would be here today. And Lord, you bring the people that you want here. So you're special today. You are very special in God's eyes because I prayed and he always answers. And he brought just the specific people that needed to hear this message today. And it's not a message from Pastor Chris. It's God's message to you. He knows what's going on in each and every individual life. And only he can minister to all these different needs at different levels. Only He can do that. I sure couldn't do that, but it's all about Him. So let's just turn it over to Him right now. Father, I thank You and praise You, Lord. We're going to get right into Your Word, which is Your will. And we thank You and praise You, which You will reveal unto us today, because we come a-knocking. We come a-seeking and asking, Lord. And You're faithful. You're so faithful, and we have great expectations that we'll be changed. We'll take what You've teaching us here today, what you're revealing unto us, will be tweaked and turned and be more conformed into your very likeness. So we thank you and praise you for that in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. All right, I'm excited this morning because I get to share. <laughs> I get excited when I get to share. Luke 4.18, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Pastor Chris, this day, for he has anointed me to preach the good news to you. He has sent me here to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This day is acceptable, 2011, August. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. So I'm excited about that. You know what I want to share real quickly? I was in the Dominican Republic two weeks ago with the youth, and I opened up the service with that scripture. And I told them that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. And there was a lady that was blind sitting over there. And I got to that point where it says, in recovery of sight to the blind. And the Lord said, you go lay hands on her. You anoint that lady with oil. And I went through the whole service. And when the service was over, I grabbed oil. And I went over and he said, you press your fingers into her eyes. Well, that wasn't... Like the flesh wasn't comfortable doing that. I'm okay with going laying hands on people, but going and pressing my finger. Well, that lady sees today. Amen. 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 That's our God. That's our God. So, I just wanted to share that with you because, listen, Luke 4.18 is for you. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. You've got to believe that. You've got to receive that. You've got to take it and then go apply it. We're doers of the Word. Not hearers only. So you can hear that verse. I'm sure you've heard it over and over as I have. But it wasn't until I did the word that I do it, I step out and I'm a doer, that it actually worked for me. So I'm encouraging you with that. Today we're going to continue on the series of disciplines of faith. 
Now, I've been on it for a while. We're only at number four. But Paul calls them the steps of faith in Romans 4.12. The steps of faith. I like to call them the disciplines of faith, the steps of faith, the principles of faith. And you say, Pastor Chris, why are you still on this? this has been, you've been teaching on this for a couple months now. What's this got to do with healing service? What's this got to do? I need healing. Well, I would challenge you today, and I, I'd admonish you, that it has everything to do with healing and has everything to do with every area of your life because we are a faith people. We serve a faith God. We belong to a faith church, and we are to walk by faith, not by sight. We are to be governed by faith. We are to be, Everything about our life is to be faith. We serve a faith God. God is a God of faith. Still, it wasn't that he was and isn't now. He's still a God of faith. Faith is what pleases him. So it would do us well to know these principles of faith, these steps of faith, as Paul calls them. And I like to always, I have lots of illustrations. Paul calls them the steps of faith. And you remember that song from way long ago, I shared it last time, The Stairway to Heaven. Well, you know, we're taking steps of faith. We're being more conformed in His very likeness. We're taking steps and steps, and we're going from faith to faith and glory to glory. Each step up, each one of these principles will, will take you further in your relationship with God and then also develop your faith. Pastor Chris likes to call them the nuts and bolts, the in and ins and outs of faith. Okay? But faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Do you believe that? So it would do us well to learn about faith and know all these principles about faith. Faith is the principle that overcomes the world. So you say, well, what's this got to do with healing service? And why are you teaching us a healing service? Well, if faith is the victory that overcomes the world, in the world we know that there's sickness. We know there's disease, there's lack, there's poverty. But faith is the victory that overcomes those things. So the principles, the, uh, the disciplines that I'm sharing with you aren't meant to uh, do anything other than to just get us in line with God's Word. They aren't from Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, I mean, uh, I'm just amazed the Lord allows me to get to share it this way and how he laid this all out. So, our faith is God's faith that can overcome the world. If you get an understanding of the principles of faith and how they work, and not just like say, well, yeah, I'm a faith person, I walk by faith, not by sight, but understand actually how they work. I'm telling you, there isn't anything that you will not be able to do in this world. So that's exciting, man. That should be exciting to you and exciting to me. It really charges me up. So let's purpose right now, i got a lot of ground to cover, that we're open to God's disciplines and we're open to his principles, and we want all of them. Hebrews 12:11 says this isn't a, a scripture people shout and jump and run around about but it says no chastening or discipline seems to be joyful for the present meaning right now but painful well we definitely don't like painful but it's not talking about painful where we think of painful but then it says nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it so I would admonish you today that if you'll take these principles that God's laid out, these disciplines of faith, you will apply them to your life. Maybe you already are. Maybe they just need a little tweaking. It says that we'll yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Righteousness, which has already been made available to us, that a lot of times we're not walking in the fullness of it. It is available to us. But just these disciplines can help us and just tweak and turn us to where we're in the right position where we're receiving everything that God has in place for us. I want you to look at that one word there. There's one word in that verse that says, No chastening or discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. 
And then there's a comma and it says, nevertheless. Separate that word, never the less. Nevertheless, you know what? Our God is exceedingly above and beyond God. It says he's come to give us life in abundance to the full till it overflows. God's ways aren't mysterious. God's ways aren't painful. God's ways aren't hurtful to us. Nevertheless, we do it God's way. He increases us. He advances us. And he moves us upward. That's exciting, man. So whenever you see nevertheless, pay attention to what's on the other end of it because our God is looking to take you up and take you higher. Okay? So, we know that there's people always looking for new revelation and new word. And, you know, the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today, you've already heard them. You've probably heard them multiple times. I hope that they went from up here and they're down in your heart and they've taken birth and now they're, they're, uh, they're manifesting in your life. But I probably won't be sharing a whole lot of new word with you today. And the Lord told me a couple weeks ago, he revealed to me, I, I'm not saying he come and talked to me in an audible voice, but he revealed to me in my time of study and prayer, he says, Christopher, you don't need any more word. You think every time something goes wrong, you need to find more word. You've got tapes, you've got CDs, you did four years of Bible school, you've been seeking me every morning. You don't need no more new word. You need to believe the word that you have inside you. You've got enough word in there to take care of any problem that you'll ever have. Your problem is unbelief. Ooh. <laughs> because, you know, that's, that's the problem. That is the problem. we got enough word, guys. Now, I'm not telling you you don't need to get more word and don't be in the word. I'm in the word every day. I have to feed on the word the same as I have to put stuff in this natural body. I have to feed on God's word every day. So I will continue to do that. I'll do that till the day I go home. And I believe when I go home, I'll be still feeding on the word of God. But I'm saying to you, it's not about we happen to have a new word or new revelation. You've got the word down inside you. You guys are coming to this church. You've got plenty enough word. It's believing the word that you have inside you. Okay? So I can get excited about that because that's something that can be fixed. Okay, it isn't that I'm at a dead end and I've come to a point where I can't go any further. How am I ever going to achieve this? How can I do this? Why aren't things working in my life? Why don't I see the results that other people have and not be able to do anything about it? No, if it's an unbelief problem, I can fix that with God. I can fix that. That's something that's, that's fixable. He told the disciples how to do it and the disciplines that I'm sharing with you can help you fix that unbelief. It can help you achieve all that God has in store for you. It's football season. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love football. It's Steeler time. And I want to just give you a little illustration. You know, Big Ben, you got um, you know, some, some people that have been around, Paul Mall who have been around for a while. They're pros, man, getting paid big bucks. Why in the world would they have to go three months early to camp and go over the fundamentals every year? These guys have got it down. They've been in the league for 10 years, some of them 12. Peyton Manning's been in there for 12 years. Why would he have to go to football camp in the middle of summer when it's hot, before the games start? He knows all the plays. He's one of the smartest quarterbacks that ever played. Why would they have to go to camp? Fundamentals. Every year they go. But, boy, if we could apply that to our lives spiritually, we think we get something, and then we think we can just let it go, and we never have to go back there and look at those things again. 
In the natural, we see that things, you have to do that if you're in sports or if you're in any kind of activity. Even if you're in the business world and, and they have you go do refresher courses, they have you keep looking at things and getting updates and, and growing. We are no different in the spiritual realm. And I would say to you that instead of us looking for some new revelation, some new word from God or some new teacher or teaching, I'd say let's get back to the fundamentals and let's see the where we're missing it. And that's what this whole teaching is about. So, little introduction. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on things that we've already went through. Like I said, we're on the fourth step. We're going up that ladder. We're going up that stairwell. I'm going to touch on them. And you can always go back and get these teachings on the CD. Or I'm going to have it out in book form shortly. So you'll be able to have it in a book. Okay, and you'll have it for good. So, discipline or step number one was to submit to the Word of God. That's step number one. Put God's Word first place. That is step discipline number one. Without that step, you try to skip that step, you won't know what any of the other steps are because in God's Word is where you find out what all the other steps are. That's where you find out what all the other disciplines are. So I can't be jumping step number one or two or trying to be going over. In God's order, God is a God of order. He wants you to hit each step. He wants you to acknowledge him, which is step discipline number two, is to acknowledge him in all our ways. Do you know what, guys? And you, can, you know many Christians that have lots of word. They have lots of word inside them. They'll even confess it, speak it, preach it, and teach it. But I'm telling you that God says that he wants us to acknowledge him in all our ways. And you can have the word of God on the inside of you, but if you're not acknowledging him to when the proper time to do it and what to say when, where to go, and how, in his timing, you can mess it all up. And instead of going up to the second step to the third, you'll go backwards. And there's many Christians that are in that part. I've been there myself. So it's important for us to acknowledge God in our ways. Listen, our example was Jesus. Jesus found out who he was in the Word. He found his place, what it said, who he was, what he could do, what he could have. And then he went and conferred with the Father because it says he didn't say anything that he didn't hear the Father say. I don't do anything that I don't see my Father do. So what Jesus did, who is our example, our representative, to show us what, how we're supposed to do it, he would find out who he was in the Word, find a promise, and then he'd go confer with the Father. And what it is is prayer. We make prayer out to be some mystical thing, and all it is is talking to God. Same as I talk to Jerry, same as I would talk to Bob. It's just talking to God. And he's saying, you know what, Christopher? Acknowledge me in all your ways. Before you pick up that phone and call someone to counsel them, acknowledge me. I'll give you the words to say. Before you leave to go to work today, just acknowledge me. I'll tell you which way to go. I'll save you from getting in trouble. We don't do that. We, make, we think that's way so far out there that we could acknowledge him in all our ways. And that's all he's asking us to do is just talk to him. How do you want me to do it today, Lord? What would you want me to say to this person? How do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? So that was step discipline number two. And I would challenge you to say that step discipline number two could also be called prayer. Acknowledging him in all your ways is just prayer. And if you want to even break it down to more than that, you could just say conversing with your father. Okay? Conversing with your father. Step or discipline number three was to stay in love. Stay in love. Our faith works and operates by love. So if you go, I'm going up the steps and I try to skip number three because I want to get there in a hurry, I'm telling you, you're going to fall back down because your faith operates 
by love. It functions by, it works by love. It is the fuel behind our faith. Can't bypass love, guys. You've got to walk in love. That's a biggie. And our God is love, and we're children of love. So step discipline number three was love. Now, we looked at step discipline number four briefly, well, the whole class last time, and that is watch your mouth. <laughs> watch your mouth. I'm telling you that you can do step number one, was acknowledge God and put God first place in your life. You know, put God's word first place. I can tell you you can do step number two, acknowledge him in all your ways. I can tell you you can do step three by putting, uh, uh, walking in love and keeping in love and undo all three steps with this mouth. <laughs> you can undo everything. And you go up three steps and you go back and find yourself laying on the landing. We don't want to do that. So that's why the Lord, I believe, has, has outlined this this way, to watch your mouth. When I was growing up, I didn't hear so much in my family, but I ran around with kids that their mothers were always saying, you better watch your mouth, young man. You know, how in the world would you watch your mouth? We looked at this last week. I'm going to hit them just real quickly because I believe they're powerful. You can watch your mouth by the results of your circumstances. I'm talking to Jerry, and I can tell my wife, because I hang out with her probably the most apart from God, I can tell the results of my words <laughs> without her ever even saying anything. If I say something negative or I say something that I probably shouldn't have said, I'm trying to get it back in there before it gets out there too far, I know the results of my words. Now, I could say things nice and lovely to her, and I can see her countenance brighten up. You guys, this isn't no news to you, but how you watch your mouth is by the results, what the outcome is in your life. I'm telling you, it has all... It has everything to do with it, is watching your mouth, watching the words. So here's some highlights. We need to be selective with our words. We need to slow down and think before we speak. We're so quick to fly off the handle, and, and Jesus was never that way. In fact, he, was, he held his words to where people think, why isn't he speaking? Why isn't he saying anything? We would be good to do that for our lives. We would save ourselves so much trouble if we would be selective with our words. In Proverbs, I'm not going to make you look at these, but it says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. That's a biggie. Proverbs 21:23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Or we could say, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his mind, will, and emotions from trouble. Well, that's a biggie. I'll hit on it real quick. Because if I could keep my mind from getting in trouble, if I could keep my will from getting in trouble, and if I could keep my emotions, the biggie, from getting in trouble, man, I'd, ha I'd be walking victorious all the time. Well, how does my mind, will, and emotions get all messed up? By the words coming out of my mouth, what I give place to. When I speak it forth, it's either putting life to, to work or it's putting death to work. There is no in-between, guys. So, address it. And move on. Watch your words. They're either going to give life to something or they're going to give death to something. I have a question for that. Mm -hmm. I also like the words of other people as well, too. If you're around like, more negative people or TV shows or stuff like that, they could also affect it as well. Yeah, we're going to get to that even in this lesson. Yeah, we're going to get to that. It says, He who restrains his lips is wise. Well, you and I want to be wise, right? We don't want to be foolish. Proverbs 13.3 says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Well, I'd love to have my life preserved to a good old age that so I could just check out when I want to and just fall asleep and go home. Your words are going to determine those things. 
Oh, I'm not going to make it to tomorrow. Oh, man, my family has a history of cancer. Oh, I'm just a worry wart. My family's been a worry wart. Oh, you got that. You're just continuing that curse to go, man. You're just continuing it, continuing. You'll pass it on. It'll go from generation to generation. You have the power. I have the power in and of ourselves with the Holy Spirit, with His grace, to break those chains. I don't have to. If I came from a line of worry warts, Warriors, and, and I came a lot from a line of people that were subject to sick, certain sickness and disease. We have the power through God and through the Holy Spirit, through the blood, to break that that is not passed on to my children. If I don't like something that my parents did to me, or I knew that was wrong, I have the ability, you have the ability to break that chain. So I don't pass it on to my kids. And I turn around, you guys have all done this if you have children. If you don't, when you do, you will saw something that they did and you said man i know they got that off of me that wasn't good i mean i could just see jerry doing that <laughs> i never do nothing wrong so <laughs> i'm just kidding but i've seen my kids say something or do something and i'm like oh man i know where they got that from so it you can you have the ability to pass those things on or break them and say no this curse ends right here that's powerful guys that's very powerful. So, write this statement down. Your life today is a result of words you spoke yesterday. Mm. Your life today, okay, T take a check here, where you're at right now, is a result of the words you spoke yesterday and the day before and the day before that. If you want to know what you will be like in five years from now, just listen to what you're saying today. No, oh, Pastor Chris, you really believe that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. And you know what? I, hang, I hung out with some kids. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood. We had a tight group of guys. It was a little gang, you know, and they're still living that lifestyle. I was pulled out of that, and I don't really have a whole lot to do with them anymore, not by my choice. They just think I went off the deep end. <laughs> That's cool. But... uh I could talk to them, find them in the street, on Main Street, see them in the mall or wherever, you know, and just run into them. And they're in the exact same spot they were five years ago, ten years ago, the year I graduated, which is 1981. They haven't changed, man. And it's so sad. I'm thinking, oh, man, you're missing out on life. And it's just like they're uh, just stuck in a rut. And they're saying the exact same things. Oh, man, you believe that president we got, blah, 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 blah. And it don't matter if it was Bush, Obama. It don't matter who it is. They're just complaining and whining, and their life is stuck in a rut. What a, what a way to go through life. Isn't it sad when you're on the outside looking in at that? Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself in your heart? What do, what's the picture of, that you have of yourself when you look deep down inside. When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you think about yourself? And you, Proverbs 23.7. And you say, how is that, Pastor Chris? As I think in my heart, so am I. And how does that tie into my words? Well, how do things get down into your heart? And that's what my brother was just asking that question. How do things get down into my heart that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Well, we have a couple gates. We have eye gates. We have ear gates, and we got a mouth gate. So just check this out, guys. Nothing else it can no way get into this body except through our eyes. This is a gate into the city. These are gates into the city, our ears. And then this is a gate in or out of the city is our mouth. Things can go in through our eyes. They can't come out through our eyes. Things can come in through our ears. They can't go out through our ears, but they can go in. 
And when they go in, it's just like a farmer putting seed into the ground. It's going to manifest. It's going to come to fruition. So if I'm watching garbage on TV and it's going in my ear gates and in my eye gates uh, backwards, <laughs> it'll eventually, that seed will take place down in my heart. And just as you picture your uh, tomatoes that we're growing from spring till now and producing, that's got to come out somewhere. And where it comes out is my mouth. So if I'm watching garbage, okay, all the time, and I'm listening to garbage, I'm listening to the news and all the demise of the world, and that's all that I get, what's well, going to take root down in here and just picture yourself a vine or a tree growing up out of here, eventually that's got to come out somewhere. Then it's going to come out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, it sets into motion for your life where you're going to go, what you're going to have, what you're going to be. So powerful, and I know you know these things, but... Uh, it's just good to get back and to look at them. So what you and I have put in abundance into our lives will come out of our mouth and will dictate us our life. If you're constantly putting in the Word of God, hey, no problem. Then the Word of God will come out of your mouth. And that's what we're trying to achieve. That's where we want to go. But if you're putting negative stuff in there, if you're putting idle words in there, you're putting fear-based words in there all the time, that's got to come out of there. It's going to come out, and it's going to come out in your words. And when it comes out in your words, it's going to put things into action. Jesus' name, I take authority over that hissing, squealing, whatever. Jesus' name. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so, if you don't like your life right now, take a check. If you don't like your life right now, and you don't like where you're at, just start listening to what's coming out of your mouth. And you can change that. You're either going to believe that or you're not. Now, I said, these aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. And he wants to obviously get this message across to you that, listen, guys, you know, I, I was at a point in my life where I didn't like the way things were going. And I thought I was at a dented street. And I thought I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. And I thought, oh, me, oh, my, and all that stuff. And I, it was because of what was coming out of my mouth. I couldn't blame anybody but myself. And, and then I had to look and say, well, why is that coming out of my mouth? It's because I'm watching and hearing garbage all the time. So you can change that. Nobody can change it for you. And I would challenge you that, you know, until you get to that point where the word's coming out of your mouth, just keep silent. Just keep silent. It's better to say nothing at all than to put negative, faithless words out there in the motion and have them set your course. Just say nothing. And that's a big ouch for the flesh to not speak because we want to just tell everybody our minds. We want to give them a piece of our minds. If you can change your words, you can change your life. It'd be good for you to write that down. If you can change your words, you can change your life. You're asking, Jesus, change my life. Get me out of this mess that I'm in. Oh, I wish I go to that church, Victory Church, and yeah, why aren't they doing help me? Like, well, listen. Jesus has already done all that he's going to do. He's given us his word. He wants us to believe it. He wants us to speak it. And then we shall have it. So if you don't like the way it's going on in your life, change your words. You can change your life. Faith requires action. Faith requires action. And the action of our faith is speaking. Okay, now we're going to get into this a little deeper. Okay, so stay with me. Okay, because everybody wants to know 
how faith operates. Why is it my faith operating like so and so's? Why do I, why don't uh, that's a, that's all a bunch of baloney. That's the devil speaking to you because you have all the faith that you will ever need to move mountains, get healed, get delivered, be prosperous, and have heaven on this earth. What's what's hindering you is the words that are coming out of your mouth. And the words that are coming out of your mouth are what you've allowed down into your heart. And what you've allowed down in your heart has taken root and now is coming out. You can change this. You can change. Isn't that cool that you can change? You can do something about this. God's already done it, so it's our part now to line up with his work. Faith requires action. I used to have, I have many Bibles. I go through them, you know, until I wear them out. But I had a Bible that I wrote everywhere it said faith. I, I put a little slash and I put action there. Because faith requires action. Faith isn't idle. Faith just isn't complacent. Faith just doesn't sit there and not do anything. No, faith requires action. Okay? Anywhere you see faith, I'm moved by faith. He was touched by faith. It was your faith that did it. Uh, all the time Jesus put faith in there, anytime you see faith in there, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, all requires action. That action is speaking. That's the number one indicator of our faith is our words. That would do you good to write that down too. The number one indicator of our faith is the words that are coming out of our mouth. So if you, I, can, I can locate somebody very quick. I know Nancy and Bob are prayer partners with me and, uh, and Miss Betty and Karen and, and Jerry. You know, we've been through you know, some healing team trainings. We've been through some of that. And most of you other people, you've been through this too. But you can locate somebody very quickly to see if they're in faith just by the words that are coming out of their mouth. Because what's coming out of their mouth is what's down in their heart. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if he's not speaking faith and he's speaking idle words, he's speaking faithless words, it's going to be very difficult for him to receive by faith. Okay? But you can change that. That can be changed. That's not a dead-end street. That can be changed. Okay? We just need to do it God's way. Your words will reveal what you believe. Okay? Your words will, will reveal what you believe. Listen, we believe God's word is truth, and we believe when God spoke it, that it came to pass, that it would never not come to pass, right? I believe most of you really believe that. Well, we're his children. And just as I'm a son of God and you're a daughter of God, the same as he spoke and there was no question or debate or wondering if it was going to happen, he said, light be, light was, and light still is creating. It should be no different for us, his children. And I see that sometimes is so foreign to us that we think, but he calls us kings and priests. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us to imitate him. And we should be speaking. And the power of our words should be creating. And we should not have any doubt that if that's going to come to pass. Amen? Amen. That's where we want to get to. You can have mountain-moving faith, Mark 11:23, on the inside of you. And when I say mountain-moving faith, well, the illustration I use is that you see yourself. If you were in prayer this morning, I led corporate prayer before healing service. We have it every Thursday morning at 9. And I was sharing with the people that you need to see it on the inside of you. You have to see yourself what you're believing for before you will ever have it on the outside. If you cannot see yourself being successful, if you cannot see yourself doing that, then you will never have it. And how you put those things into motion is by speaking it. And we're going to get into this a little deeper here, if you'll stay with me. We activate our faith by speaking. 
Before I ever had a landscaping company, I'm celebrating 25 years now this year, I saw myself. I saw myself as a landscaper. I saw myself planting. I saw myself doing yards. I saw myself transforming people's houses and landscaping them and designing them way before I ever had a landscaping company. It was down on the inside of me. I had pictures of crews. I had pictures of this, that, and the other thing. Well, it wasn't a matter of time before that came to manifest because I was speaking it. I told people. My family thought I was crazy, and, and kids I grew up with thought I was nuts, and who you want to go mow grass and do this stuff. I had that down inside of me. I was speaking it and speaking it and speaking it and speaking it, and I believed it. I believed it because I was speaking it, and it came to fruition, and it came to pass. And it wasn't a matter of about 10 years later, I thought I saw myself with a garden center. And I thought, how in the world could I ever have a garden center in a nursery? And uh, I, I started thinking, I said, I always wanted to, to buy an old farm and turn that into a garden center. And I didn't have no money. My parents never had no money. I didn't grow up you know, with any money. So I'm, and I'm struggling to make ends meet in the business at that time. I wasn't doing it God's ways all the time. But I had this principle down that I said, one day, I'm going to have find an old farm. I'm going to turn it into a garden center. And I had that down on the inside of me, and I didn't know where that was going to be. And the place I live right now was an old farm. It was run down, beat down. And I, I went by that farm oh, hundreds of times and never even noticed it. And I kept confessing that and telling people, oh, yeah, we're going to have a garden center. We're going to have a nursery. My guys thought I was nuts until one day. That came up and it manifested. Now I have a garden center and a nursery. It wasn't but about five years after that that God called me into ministry. And I thought, what in the world? You, I, I have to, cannot be list. This cannot be true. And I must be missing it because you gave me this business. You had me start this. This was one of my dreams to start this landscape. And then you gave me the garden center. You made this happen, Lord. You gave me a place right on the main highway. It's beautiful now. I mean, it's, it's, it's prosperous. And now you're going to tell me to leave that and go into ministry? I can't be hearing them, right? And my family's like, this is my parents. Now, my parents are Christians. And they're like, you're kidding me. You're going to give this all up and you're going to go do that? They couldn't understand it. I had it down on the inside of me. Before I ever even knew victory was here, I saw myself being a pastor preaching. I saw myself standing up, and I saw myself in front of lots of people, ministering to lots of people. And I saw that, and I kept speaking it. And you can ask Jerry. I'd come home, and after I started coming to victory, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I saw myself being a pastor. I'd come home, and I'd say, Jerry, anybody call today? Remember? For the longest time. Anybody call today? Any phone calls today? I knew it. I had a confident expectation. I was fully persuaded that I was going to be a pastor. I didn't know when. I didn't know if it was going to be here. I didn't know where it was going to be. In fact, at one time I thought I was going to start my own church. And that phone call, I'd come home every day. Jared, they call? They call? Who was that? Every time that phone call. And it, it touches me right now because I see the hand of God. That's God, and that's what he wants out of you and I. You, you, all you have dreams. You have desires inside you that haven't been fulfilled, and he wants, to, he wants to fulfill them. But you need to see yourself doing those things to where now I see myself as a pastor. I see myself as a missionary. I see myself as an evangelist. We're talking about a kid that grew up on the other side of the tracks down at the extension in Zillionople, that grew up with, in, in uh, 
in the neighborhoods where people didn't have anything. And I'm seeing myself go around the world now, praise God. I have it down on the inside of me. It's only a matter of time before that comes to fruition. And I'm not here, you know I'm not here bragging because I'm bragging on God. And I'm trying to encourage you and exhort you that he'll do the same thing for you. He's not a respecter of persons. What he did for Pastor Chris, he'll do for you. It wasn't part of my message, but... <laughs> Okay, but here's where we're going to go with this. You have to see yourself, what you're believing for. You have to see that on the inside of you before you'll ever have it. And here's the prime example of that. i got word to back it up. The example I'm going to share with you is Abram. Now, his name was Abram before he was ever Abraham. And Abram and Sarai, okay, before it was Sarah, she was Sarai before she was Sarah, and... I'll tell you about that, but they wanted children, but they were they were up there in age. They were well beyond childbearing ages, and they were still grieving down. They had a desire. They wanted children. In the, in the, in the days of the Old Testament, if you didn't bear children, they looked at you as outcast. They looked at you as if something was wrong with you because you weren't able to pass your lineage down through. So that they were up there in age. They'd be like our grandpa and grandmas, or like your great grandma and great grandpa. That's what the age were, okay? No children. And God heard their cry, and he came to Abram, and he says, you will be with child. It's like me saying, you're going to have a landscaping company, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to have a garden center. And Abram's like, you've got to be kidding me. God, did I hear you right? And what did he do? He laughed. He's like, uh, I think I hear you, and I want to believe you, but look at me, you know, uh, things aren't working. I'm old, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. And, and her, she couldn't have children when, all through her childbearing years. And when he told his wife, she laughed. They couldn't believe it. And what I want you to see is they couldn't see it. They couldn't actually see that on the inside of them, how it was possible that they could be having children. And uh, that went on for a period of time, and God was actually waiting for them to assert their faith and believe in him and take him at his word. And it didn't happen. And God said, okay, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you, Abram, Abe. You still can't see it? I want to help you. And this is where I want you to, I want you to really listen, guys. He says, I want you to change your name, Abram, to Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. And Abram's like, uh, whatever, I'm still old, <laughs> and I'm still, uh, I don't believe I could still have children, but God, if you say that, okay, I'll start calling myself Abraham, if that's really what you want me to do. And your wife, her name was Sarai, tell her to change her name to Sarah. Now, what was God doing? God was saying, I want you, Abram, to change your name to Abraham, and I not only want you and your wife to call each other Abraham and Sarah now. I want everyone, you tell everyone now, your name is changed to Abraham, father of many nations. They all knew what that meant back then. So check this out. Abram, who is old, without children, is going through town now, and he says, Hey, Abram, what's going on, man? What's happening today? What's up, old man? Uh, wait a minute. My name is Abraham. My name is Abraham, and she's Sarah now. She's not Sarai. Yeah, right. You, father of many nations, this is where my family was at. You, pastor, you're going to give up all this to that. 
can't understand it. And I'm telling you, come hell or high water, you've got to have that tenacity. You've got to say what God said about you and not be concerned about family, friends, or anything else. They called Jesus a lunatic. His family. He's gone off the deep end. And in fact, one time he was in there preaching, they come up and they said, your mom and your brothers are out there. He's like, where? These are my brothers and sisters. That'd be like saying, Jer's out there, wants to talk to you. And I'm like, you are my wife. You are my children. You get it? You get a word from God, you can't let nobody, spouse, kids, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, no one deter you. So he's saying, the guys in the neighborhood, man, Abraham has really went off the deep end. He is whacked out. He's out in left field. But here's what happened. They say, all right, old man, you want to start calling you Abraham? We'll call you Abraham. Sarah's calling him Abraham. Abraham, time to come in for dinner. Abraham, how are you doing this morning? Abraham, what are we doing tonight? And the people are calling him Abraham. And how's faith come? Faith cometh by hearing. And how's hearing come? By the Word of God. Not just any hearing. Because you could hear the world, and the world would say, you old man, you kook, you crazy. No, faith comes by the Word of God, principle number one. Okay, I put God's Word first. So the Word came that says you will be with child. You will have a son. And what I'm telling you guys is you have to have that bulldog faith to where you got a dog, you got a bone in your mouth, and no one's getting that thing out of there. A pit bull tenacity. And no matter what people make fun of you, people say that's crazy, you can't prosper in this economy, you can't do this, you can't do that. I got a word from God, and by the way, I'm prosperous. I'm healed. (laughs) And you know what? I'm the healed of the Lord. He's the God that heals all my diseases, Psalm 103. And you know what? I hear what you're saying, but you just watch. You just watch and see my God come through. So, he's saying, tell everybody call you Abraham. And eventually, he heard that, and he heard that, and he heard that, and he heard that. And old Abraham, feeble Abraham, heard that enough that where people were calling him Abraham, his wife was calling him, he was calling himself Abraham, that it took birth. And when it took birth down in there, and it took a lot longer than it really should have, but when it took birth down in there, it's just as like that tree or vine I was describing to you. He heard it, and he heard it, and where he actually believed it. And it what had happened, it manifested into Sarah, and Sarah manifested into the baby. Amen? Isn't that a powerful principle? If you can look at it like that. So I don't care whatever you're in need of, whatever you're in need of. Maybe you need a husband. Maybe you need a wife. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need finances. You start speaking what the Word of God says about it. And don't be concerned about what other people are saying. Don't be moved by that. You stand on that and you call what, yourself what God calls you. And you watch that get down inside here and take birth. Shut out that other stuff. Keep these gates closed to things that are contrary to that. Don't let those weeds in that garden. And watch that vine and that tree come to fruition. Amen? I'm telling you this, this is an important point right here. It is a lot easier to start to quote Scripture than it is to believe for something. Now, a lot of people would disagree with me on that. But that, I didn't, I've never heard that uh, taught before. But it's a lot easier to start to quote Scripture than it is to believe for something. And if you and I will start today to say what God says, which is Scripture, which is His will, even when you don't feel like it, and even when sometimes you don't necessarily believe it. I'm telling you, you speak it by faith and watch what God will do. 
Did you get that? I really want you to get that, guys, because you might not believe that by his stripes you were healed. I want you to start saying it. Abraham didn't believe. This is a powerful illustration. It's, God put it in there for a reason for us, and I believe this is why. Abraham and Sarah didn't believe it, but they started to speak it. And when they started to speak it, they heard it to where then it got down on the inside of them. It, it, that's a spiritual law. That, that seed, that word, whether negative or positive, will get down on the inside of you, the same as a natural seed. It will come to fruition, whether positive or negative, good or bad, whatever you're allowing to go in there. And God's saying to you that... You just start saying what I say about you. And you start doing that with a tenacity. And you have people that are around you. Hopefully you're around faith people. And say, you know what? By, your, by God's stripes, you were healed. You are prosperous of the Lord. You might be far from looking like it. But we're not moved by what we see. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you'll continue and you'll stay on it and you'll stay on it and you'll stay on it, you'll be like Father Abraham. And it was credited to him as unto righteousness because he believed God. He believed him. In the face of really extreme circumstances, he believed God's word. After God had to help him, God helped him by saying, you know what, you're now Abraham. So I want you to have people start calling you Abraham. So that's how that word came. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is one example in the Word of God that can change your life and circumstances forever. It really can. If you think about Abraham, think about what you need in your life, what's going on that you don't have, and you start confessing it, you don't have to get in the Word now. You can't bypass step discipline number one. You've got to put God's Word first. But if you'll find that, and you'll stay on that step until you got His Word, that means you believe it, and come hell or high water, I'm going to move off this step. And when you acknowledge God... I'm telling you, it's not a matter of time before that will come to fruition. Because God's word does not return to him void. Praise God. I'm going to give you a little example of this. It'll be two years come November. Uh, November 2009. The Lord spoke to me and I was studying about imitating him. And, and I wanted to be like Jesus. And he says, you know, the, the things that I do, you'll do, Christopher. And uh, as I am, so are you in this world, Christopher. I was like, okay, God, I believe that. I've read that. I, I didn't believe it. I wanted to believe it. I wanted to believe it. I, I said I believed it, but really down inside, I could not see myself actually being just like Jesus. I see myself kind of being like Jesus, but not having the same results. And here's what I did. That was November 2009. I made a daily confession, and I started to say, you know what? I think like him. I talk like him. I act like him. Therefore, if I think like him, I talk like him, and act like him, I also have the same results that he had. I didn't believe that. I didn't believe it at first, but I kept on it. And I kept on it, and I started saying it out loud. You know what? In driving in the car, I think like you, Jesus. I talk like you, and I act like you. Therefore, I shall have the same results that you have. And that went on for months, and it went on for a year. November 2010, last year, I started believing it. I really started believing that I think like God, I talk like God, and I act like God, and I'm having the same results as God. <laughs> That's powerful, guys. So I said, I say to you that I didn't believe it at first, 
but I started getting fat. And you say, well, how? You, I mean, that sounds pretty far out there. And you know what? I can't tell that to everybody. I can tell that to you guys because you got word in you. But you tell that to someone on the street, and they'll say, you're whacked, man. If I tell people in my family, they'd say, he's crazy again. He's, he's going on that faith thing again. He's out there. But I'm saying to you that I think like him. Does, he, does not he tell us that we have the mind of Christ? Amen. If I have the mind of Christ, I can think like him. Can I not talk like him if I look at Jesus and I look how he responded to people and I read his word and I speak it out? That's giving place to, that's giving, uh, place to his word. Then I can talk like him. And how I can act like him is because I not only acknowledge him, but I see how he would do it and I confer with the Holy Spirit and he shows me all things to come, tells me how to do it, leads me into all truth reveals those things that I've been taught, learned, or, or heard in the past, I can think like him, I can talk like him, and I can act like him, and therefore I shall be like him. And I told the kids that on the mission trip, and, and you know, they looked at me kind of crazy and stuff, you know, and then by the end of the week they were actually believing that the kids have such a simple faith that they believed it. And they actually don't. I have great expectations for those youth. I really do because, I mean, they went that week and I taught on faith the first couple of days and, man, they took it and ran with it. And, I mean, I see if they stay on fire for God and, and they continue pursuing him, man, what we have to look forward in this church with those youth is like great things because they're not having to undo all the garbage that you and I had put into our life. They're getting it right now. So that's an important, important illustration. God's word is incorruptible and imperishable. His seed is incorruptible and imperishable. You've heard me speak on that, Pastor Craig and a lot, Pastor John. Meaning, if it's incorruptible and imperishable, it will always produce. It doesn't go bad. Now, now the problem is, is if it never goes bad and it always produces, why isn't it producing in my life? Why am I not having those results? And I would say to you, because it's out here, it hasn't been put in here yet. Seed has to be put into the ground. So that's an easy fix. Get it out here. Start speaking it like Abraham did, like Pastor Chris did. Get it down on the inside of you. Then you shall have it. I can procrastinate and say I want tomatoes, you know, for two years. But if I never put seed in the ground, I ain't getting no tomatoes. Come on now. We have more faith in natural seed than we do in the things of God, and it should not be so. If I plant incorruptible, imperishable seed, God's word, into my ground, which is good ground because he bought and purchased me, then I shall have an incorruptible, imperishable harvest because the seed only produces after its own kind. We would never think of planting a cucumber seed and getting a tomato out of it. I would never think of planting a tomato and getting a watermelon out of it. But yet when we speak God's word and we plant God's word in our life, we're thinking, well, I did what they said and I did what God said, and yet I'm not expecting that to come out. I'm not expecting that to come to pass. And I'm saying it's no different in the spiritual realm that is in nature. You plant a, uh, a tomato, you're going to get a tomato. You plant God's word and don't expect to get something contrary. Come on, guys, we make this complicated. We make it a whole lot harder than God ever intended for us to, to have it to be. Oh, I'm going to cut this thing off. <laughs> um, go with me to James. I'm going to have to be on step number four for another week. 
So I'm looking to get James chapter 3. Are you getting anything out of it? James chapter 3. Now, I love the book of James, and the reason why I love the book of James is because James was the half-brother of Jesus. And if we don't get a whole lot more covered here, I want you to think about this and consider this with James. The other disciples uh, were picked around the age of 30, okay? So they got to hang out with Jesus for three years, and that's when they saw the miracles. But James was his half-brother. James hung out with Jesus all the time growing up. Jesus was someone who never sinned. So that means, you know, boys fight. <laughs> boys wrestle, boys say things, boys do that. But Jesus never sinned. And James observed him. He probably thought, nah, you goody two-shoes, you know, that's what I'd have been saying. <laughs> but we're talking about Jesus. But he's, you know, he hung out with them at the supper table. He went to bed probably in the same room with them at that time. He got up with them in the morning. As Jesus went to work, he saw what Jesus did. Jesus ever come back home complaining? Oh, I can't believe Joseph maybe made that cabinet today. Blah 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 blah. No, he watched Jesus day in and day out. So I always like to think about that and I like to share that with you because if anyone observed the Master, it would have been James, because he saw before, he saw during, and he saw after, and he saw Jesus when he wasn't anointed by the Holy Spirit, and not sin. And he watched and observed him, and I believe he set things down. This is a very important book in the Bible because it hits right to the point, a lot of these details. But James 3.10, James 3.10, Out of the mouth, out of the same mouth, proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So it's saying that out of our mouths we can, we can bless and we can curse. And obviously, there are some people doing that. I've done it myself. And we can see that that's not God's best, and he does not want us to do that. And what I would say to you is there's a lot of people believing and confessing the Word of God and speaking the Word of God, but yet, out of the same mouth, they're speaking things of the world, things contrary to the Word of God. And what it does is it offsets each other. So you're, people are getting frustrated, and people are saying, why am I not seeing the favor and the blessing of God. Why am I not seeing these things manifest in my life? And I would say this is a good checkpoint right here, not to put anyone in condemnation or no, not to put anybody down. This is just a good way to evaluate yourself. And if things aren't going the way you think they should be, or the way really not about what you think, about what the Word of God says, you can say, well, what's coming out of my mouth? Is blessing and cursing coming out of my mouth, or is it just a blessing? If it's just the Word, it'll be blessing. If there's cursing and things contrary to the Word of God, which could be fear, doubt, what if, how can that be, those things are all contrary to faith. And I would say to you that there's lots of people in the body of Christ that are speaking positively and negatively out of the same mouth, and it's offsetting, and they're getting frustrated. And where we're going to go the next time we meet is going to put an end to that. So you've got to come back. And it'll tell you how you can how you can avoid doing speaking the blessing and the cursing out of the same mouth. Because I'm telling you, if you continue to do that and speak faithful words and then go and watch the TV and then talk in conversation, listen, I'm telling you guys, it's so easy for us just to meet a fellow Christian or somebody out in the street and get into a conversation with them and you're drawn right in and you start talking 
fear, you start talking economy, you start talking doubt, you start, where is this world going? And yet you're a faith person. And I'm telling you, that's where we get frustrated. That's why we're not seeing results. So God's got so much more planned for you and I, and he wants to address this so that we don't have those problems. And you know what? Just as uh, we're going to learn, and next time we get together, you can get it. You will get in those conversations. You might get one as soon as you walk out of this room down the hall. You have the power and ability, the same as you have the power and ability to break a curse that's been passed on to your generation, to walk out of that conversation and put an end to it and, and not let it go any further. You have that ability. It's just a matter of saying, zip, <laughs> zip it up. Zip it up, and you know what? Yeah, people I think, well, I can't, what is he arrogant, won't even talk to me or whatever. Can't go there, sorry. Can't, can't go there, sorry, I'm working on something. I'm wor and then things that we're working on are oh, so much more important than gossip and idle talk. And God will show us in his word next time about, we're gonna, you know, if we don't ask forgiveness, we're going to have to give an account for every idle word that we've spoken. To. Man, that's, that's like, ooh. I don't want to have to be in that line. <laughs> I don't want to be behind you if you have a lot of idle words. I want to get in and get going, man, you know. So, all right. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, for your word. It makes all the difference, Father. It makes all the difference in our lives. And, and, Lord, I thank you that you spoke to us individually, spoke to us as a body. And I thank you so much for your spirit. They will guide and direct us in these things. will reveal them to us and bring to remembrance those things we've taught and learned, Father. And, and we can do it in and through you. We can't do it without you. We need you. And we know your faith will be there with us to empower us by your grace. So I speak the blessing upon my brothers and sisters. And until we're able to meet again, Father, I thank you and praise you. Watch over them and protect them and all they say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys. Come back.